Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives with your hosts, myself, Colton Cockrell, and Tricia Stetzel. Our goal is to bridge the generational, gender, and life experience gap in business through our unique styles of gathering information from our guests. This podcast is sponsored by Jim Butcher, who is a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Now let's get it started. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap. My name is Colton Cockrell. I am a certified financial fiduciary and an independent financial advisor with Share McKinley Group. So with me today, as always, I have my lovely co-host, Ms. Tricia Stetzel. Good afternoon and happy Wednesday. Tricia Stetzel here, owner of Results Extreme Business Solutions, your business coach for the day. <laughs> Love it. So I Tricia, know. introduce our... Go ahead and introduce our guest today. Absolutely. I'm so dang excited that Dr. Tanisha Lamel is with us today. So I want to give a little bit of background on her, and then we're going to have her come in and introduce herself. So Dr. Lamel is the owner and CEO of The Clever Site, where she helps small businesses do it big online. As a certified digital marketing business consultant, she's helped elevate the brands of attorneys, therapists, authors, and coaches around the country. In addition to transforming service-based businesses online, Dr. Lamel is passionate about investing in people and has been actively doing so for almost two decades. Dr. Lamel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tricia. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Colton, as well. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Now, I do want to just point out one thing. I think it's a discrepancy in your bio. Two decades? <laughs> 20 years. Yes, sir. Man, age has done you well. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to, uh, you trying are to not make... getting, you're not getting brownie points for that. <laughs> I'm trying to make Trisha jealous right now. That's what's going on. Okay. Let's go ahead and jump into questions, Nisha. We don't have you for too long, so I want to make sure that we jump in and maximize the time uh, and really give our listeners what they hear, let them hear what they want to know when it comes to you know digital. What what do they need a website when it comes to a website? So let me jump in. So really, I don't know if you know the way that works. So Trisha and I, we have a we have a um, uh, generational approach whenever we ask questions. So I'm the millennial, obviously. She's the Gen Xer, and so I do want to ask as a millennial. I'm all about saving money and I'm all about doing it myself, right? So why should I pay a developer when there are some do-it-yourself tools out there on the internet? I can just Google it. Well, that's a very good question, Colton. And it's actually one that I get asked quite often. Um, and my answer to that is this. Well, it depends on a lot of things. A website is going to cost you something. It's either going to cost you money or it's going to cost you time. If you have time to invest in building the website yourself, if you have time to invest in acquiring the skills that it's going to take to build the website, a website that's actually going to perform for you, then go with the DIY tools. There are some great DIY tools out there, um, but I do say be very careful with that because on the flip side, although you can build the website using these tools, usually for um, very low cost, if not free, what you end up getting is basically a leased site. So you don't own the website. You don't own the content, the images. You don't own anything on the site. It belongs to the DIY tool, the software manager. So say you use one of these tools to build your site, and then 
that company goes out of business. Well, so does your website goes with it. Or if that company changes their rules or hikes up their prices, you cannot download that site from that DIY platform. It's there. So it's kind of like leasing a website versus purchasing your own website that you can download to any host or any server and take along with you. Um, now, again, I do understand that for a lot of startups, a lot of small business entrepreneurs, a good website can be rather costly. So if budget is an issue, then maybe you do want to look at the DIY option um, because there are some good tools out there, but even those tools do take, you know, do have a learning curve. So it is an option, but definitely if you can't afford to get a good website and a good developer, then I would recommend going that route. And I've never heard it said like that before. Leasing versus buying. I think that's very interesting. That's well put. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and scary all at the same time. Right. So, Tanisha, I'm old school, as Colton indicated earlier. <laughs> He's the millennial in this group. So, thank you, Colton. Um, as an X Jenner, uh, or maybe even our baby boomers that are out there, we have websites, right? We're, we're business owners, we have websites, we want people to find us. Mm -hmm. um, we hate social media. So, is there is there a tie between the two of them? So there's some, so the younger people, Colton, might be active on social media and doesn't need a website. And I and my group of friends, Colton, uh, may have a website without social media. So can you kind of explain how the two go hand in hand? Absolutely. Again, what I believe, well, here's, it's kind of like the same question you just asked about um, using the DIY tools because those social media platforms don't belong to you. So again, if Facebook, Twitter, if they change their rules, you're, you lose your, you can lose all of your contacts, you can lose your database, you can lose all of the content that you've spent hours creating, putting on those social media platforms. Um, social media is excellent for driving traffic to your website, but that's really what it should be used for. Um, you can post on those social media platforms and they're definitely necessary in terms of search engine optimization and getting the traffic to your website. But ultimately you want to have a home where you can track those leads. You can actually um, track, not only track the leads, but capture those leads of people that are seeing you online so that you can then build your tribe and communicate with them on your time and on, on your rules. I love that. See, Colton, you do need uh, a website. <laughs> and, I, and I actually, I, I do have one, Trisha. However, I, I am more active on social media. I, I will admit that. Um, yeah. So this is actually a, doesn't matter what generation you are. I'm just curious. Um, you know, when I'm, whenever you search for, you know, a financial planner or a, uh, a business coach on Google, you know, what, what determines if you show up or if you don't show up? Search engine optimization, and that, I know that's a bit confusing term to a lot of people, so I'll, tr I'll try to break it down. Um, basically, you need a good balance between the social media and the website because, again, you have to drive traffic to your website. Showing up on Google is all about presenting yourself as an authority in your industry. Google looks for the authority. They want to send their visitors to the site that um, is going to be able to provide the information that their customers are looking for. So how do they do that? Well, 
through you putting content or through you having increased traffic on your website, that's what's going to help you rank on Google. And that's what's going to help you be found by people that are searching for those particular keywords. Now, there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into building the website that can make your website search engine friendly. Again, is why I recommend using a developer so that you can build in that technical part of your website um, for good SEO. But then there's also the on-page SEO or the, the content development and the things that you do externally to drive traffic to your website. So um, it's, it's really important, again, about having a good, well-designed website as well as having good content that you're putting out on a consistent basis be it through your blog, be it through your social media post, um, your Twitter, your Instagram, whatever platform your audience tends to be on the most. You want to make sure that you're reaching them there. So it's about having that balance between a good, strong website, recent con relevant content, um, and having that social media presence and the SEO technical side driving traffic to your website. So then going back to, to my, original, my original question, um, if you don't have a good website, if you're doing it yourself, does that hurt you when it comes to SEO? It could very well. If you don't understand H1 tags and, you know, um, anchor tags and all of that, all of the part that goes into the technical side <laughs> over your head. Yeah. Most people, which is, which is why, like I said, the DIY, it's a great option for those who need that option in the beginning. I started off with the DIY site. When I started my business and I was initially building sites for clients, I started off with the DIY tool. Um, but then I realized that I was limiting myself and my clients with those tools because I could only do what that platform would allow me to do. Now, the platform that I use, which is WordPress, I can, I can if WordPress does not have a plugin or if there's not a functionality already built in, I can write the code for it and develop that out. So I've yet to have a customer or client come to me and say, hey, I want to do this on my website. And we weren't able to figure out how to get it done. If I don't have the skill set, one of my developers, or I can bring in someone that can get that done. So the sky's the limit when you do it, your, when you don't do it yourself and you have someone that understands coding and can actually build out the website. So that's a great lead in Tanisha to my next question, which is if I know, or maybe I don't know, I think that I'm in the market for digital marketing. I, have, I own a small business and I think that I want to hire someone to manage that for me. What types of things should I be looking for as I interview companies or people that might help me with digital marketing? One is Red flags. There are a lot of red flags in the industry um, because the deal with digital marketing is it's really hard to regulate in terms of what you get for what you pay for, right? So um, unfortunately, there have been a lot of people that have taken advantage of it. And so a lot of people don't stay around for a long time. Um, so one thing that I would look for is someone that's been in the industry for a while, um, someone that has experience, has some references. You want to make sure that you're working working with someone that's legit, not just someone that has a pretty website um, and search or something. So definitely you want someone that's qualified. Um, the other deal is you want to make sure that if somebody's making promises to you that I'll get you on, on the first page of Google, um, that's usually a red flag because they may be able to increase your numbers and get you better traffic, get you better visibility. 
But Google changes their algorithms all the time. Their employees don't even always know how to get to the first page of Google. And what works today may not work tomorrow. So one thing you have to know is that SEO is an ongoing service. For someone to say, I can do, you, do this for you for a flat fee, and you're going to be on the first page of Google, even if you're there tomorrow, you're probably not going to be there next week. SEO is an ongoing process. So find someone that you, again, that's credible, that's not making false promises, and someone that you can have a relationship with because it is going to be a long-term relationship. Well, that's, that's great. Um, and now let me, let me kind of switch gears here and ask you back to web design, um, you know, because things change, right? Things get things go out of date. Things get more cool. Oh, the way this looks looks better. What would you suggest when it comes to updating your website and maybe the look or the feel? How how many years until you really look into doing that? Well, in terms of the look and the feel of the website, um, that's kind of a personal preference because you want to make sure that you're staying on brand. Um, you don't want to be changing the colors and your logos and all that stuff all the time. You want to be consistent with your brand. But yes, styles change. Um, What's more important is that you're constantly changing the content and what you're saying, right? Because the message is going to be changing and you want to make sure that your message is relevant. Um, and so we offer what I, we offer website care plans because the technical technology behind the website gets old too. And those things need to be updated. So, and most people um, don't have the technical skill or don't want to do the plugin updates, the software updates, and all of those things can slow your website down. And again, affect your search engine optimization. So um, you definitely want to make sure that you're on some type of care or maintenance plan. And just like you would with your car, you know, if you're fine with changing the oil on your car, then maybe you want to do your own updates on your website. If you're that DIY type person, there are people out there that want to do it. Um, but most people, most of my clients are like, no way, no how, um, just make sure it's running, make sure it's running well. So, um, a website care plan is definitely something you want to consider to make sure your site is staying up to date, um, not only on the back end, but then also making sure that you're having relevant content posted on a consistent basis. Man, I love it. I love it. So now let me ask you this totally off the wall question here. For some reason, I guess really why the way I'm feeling is where the questions come from because it's always travel. The past like a ton of podcasts have been about travel. I guess that's just where I'm at right now. But would you rather go snorkeling in the Grand Caymans or hiking in Canada, preferably Banff? Grand Caymans for sure because I love tropical weather. My mother's from Bermuda, so anytime I can get next to some water or a beach or some beautiful, oh, like the setting that you're sitting in right now, Colton, oh my goodness, yes, absolutely. That's an easy one for me, although I do want to go and visit Canada. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I am so desperate to do either of those right now. I just want to get away. You know, so that's you. awesome. Dr. <laughs> Tanisha, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to industry experts, especially you've been doing this for 20 plus years. So that's incredible. We love to have people that have a lot of credibility and people who walk the talk and you're honest with people. And that's what I love. So that's why we had you on the show today. Well, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you. So I have one last, maybe easy set of questions for you. What generation, if you don't mind sharing with us, are you in? <laughs> I think I'm somewhere in between the two of you guys. Definitely closer to you, Trisha. Definitely. <laughs> I think Colton has coined a phrase for that. What are we calling it, Colton? Millennialex. <laughs> I'll take it. Millennialex. <laughs> okay, so which generation do you feel you most identify with? Wow, that's a good question. Probably 
Wow, that's a good, really good question because I have kids. So, you know, I have to stay up to date with everything or they, they try to keep me up to date with everything. So I try to relate a little bit to everybody. I guess I'd have to say Generation X. Um, you know, but in, in, in her defense, it's kind of both because she's very techie and she's pretty hip. I've been able to sit down with her. So she is kind of like a millennial, but she also does have an old soul and she's very like, she, she can play both pretty well, so. <laughs> so you were talking about me, Colton, right? You were talking about me. You were just describing me, of course. We got to work on it. I got I to, gotta, yeah, we got to get you more relevant with the times. Yeah. So we'll, we'll work on it, Tricia. <laughs> okay, perfect. So uh, Tanisha, in closing, please tell us um, the name of your business and how our audience can reach out to you if they have questions and any upcoming events that you may have. And please spell it out for our listeners. We'll obviously um, post this in the comments inside the post as well. Sure, absolutely. You can reach me on my website at thecleversite.com. Don't forget the word the in front of Cleversite. Um, you can also email me directly at Tanisha at thecleversite.com. And that's T-A-N-I-S-H-A at thecleversite.com. And that's Cleversite, T-H-E-C-L-E-V-E-R-S-I-T-E, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> You can also get a free ebook download for the five things any small business owner can do in the next week to improve their website. Um, you can get that on my website right now as well. So, um, Well, Tanisha, thank you so much for coming out. We always appreciate having you. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. It's been amazing and our pleasure to have you. So if there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, please leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. We'd love for you to subscribe and share this podcast. And this concludes this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. If there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Jim Butcher, a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Colton Cockrell with Sherman McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc. Member FINRA, Pacific. Sherman McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.